Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is another episode of Bragging Rights. I'm your host, Phoebe, and my co-host, Joe. Hey, Joe, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. How are you? <laughs> well, I thought I was doing fine until I started to speak there, and I sounded yeah, like... Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> I guess something was stuck in my throat. Uh, um, I'm, too much I'm doing, I'm doing well. <laughs> I, I'm exhausted, though. I'm really tired. <laughs> I um I had an opportunity to see a friend on Friday, which was fun to see um, my friend. And uh, then the next day, I went on and hung out with different friends to go to um, Leavenworth, and that was fun. Uh, but we ended up staying there far longer than I realized it was going to be. But I I slept all the way back, so I don't know why I was still so tired, but I was. <laughs> So, what was the weather like? Oh, super cold in the in the twenties. Yeah, was, in the twenties. Was it snowing on the on the way? Was it snowing on the way back? Yeah, apparently. I mean, oh. I was I was knocked out, um, but <laughs> they you know they told me nice it was snowing. As a, <laughs> as a as a co-pilot, a navigator, a passenger, to sleep while someone drives you through harsh winter conditions across treacherous roads, and you just take a nap. Hey, uh, I was in the back seat, so she had she had her husband right next to her, so I'm pretty sure that he was fine keeping her up. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel a little less guilty. Her, her husband and her brother were awake, so <laughs> I don't think they needed you- another person. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to go home once I arrived back at their place. I needed to drive back home. So I needed I if if they forced me to stay awake, I would have like fallen asleep at the wheel and who they would have felt horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, uh unfortunately, we uh we did miss last week, so there's a little bit to catch up with. But first of all, let's uh I just want to go back and, and remind everyone, I'm sure everyone knows, but the University of Washington had a great game against uh, the Colorado Buffaloes and qualified and were selected for the college football playoff. So the University of Washington has, like I said months and months ago, has a chance at a national championship and, and football in the state of Washington. At this state between – between UW, Wazoo, at Eastern Washington, the state of football uh, in the amateur ranks is just as exciting as the professional team right now. Yeah, I'm, I was actually listening to sports radio and all that stuff. Actually, I was listening to Mike and Mike when it first all went down. And obviously I know how exciting this is uh, for 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 not only husky fans but just you know in general there's people that may not have 
um, had any like skin in the game, but are excited for this opportunity. Uh, and and even though I didn't go to UW or or have that kind of specific ties, a lot of my friends did. And so when I was sure. listening to Mike and Mike, I understand like where they're coming from, but I part of me got all like mama bear a little bit because because of just how they spoke. And I understand that uh, you know the majority of the population, um, pretty much even some Husky fans uh, feel like yeah probably not going to beat Alabama. And I understand that because, uh, you know, they're a, a, jug, a juggernaut, I guess. They're huge. Uh, they're big. They're, um, they're, but I just. There's a lot. I, I but, don't uh, hold out that they don't have just, just as much of a chance as anyone else. I believe the matchup, when you look at it, uh, actually from defense against their offense is a fairly good matchup. Um, I think there might be a, uh, Jake and, and the offense is explosive, and there's a chance that they can match up well against the Alabama decent defense as well. It's not a foregone conclusion, I'll tell you that. Well, um, I don't think it's a foregone conclu- conclusion, but that's just because you're talking to me, and you know yeah, me. Well, I, I don't I like it. I don't like yeah. anybody ever speaking as if somebody's done before the game has even started. I would love an upset by the UW um, Huskies. I mean, I would love it. I mean, can you imagine how crazy the world will go if that happens? Because they well, literally you, you haven't. They haven't even thought of the, the possibility. Bias. Huh? You saw some of the bias prior to the selection, uh, the final selection. I mean, there were there were pundits and proponents of putting a two loss team in ahead of them. Uh, just based on well, earlier schedules, you know, it was it was painful to watch some of the people that were, uh, and I hate this time of the year when they start. You know, they only have four slots in the playoff, so they start, I guess, campaigning for their particular choices, and also, you know, the pundits that have connections to different uh, football. Uh, divisions like the Big Ten or the SEC, they, they they get behind their own product. I understand that, but but Washington most deservedly should have been number four, and all that talk prior to that was just it was just uh, disrespectful and rude to me, but I, I still believe they have you got three weeks for Chris Peterson to prepare for this game. It's going to be mm-hmm. bad. You know, I've, I've seen him Pull off upsets before he pulled That's off one of the greatest for. upsets uh, in uh, college football a long time ago when he was the coach at Boise, and they went and beat a Oklahoma team that was probably a fourteen point favorite in that particular bowl game. He's done it before, so I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like it when people talk as if. Uh, somebody doesn't belong there. Uh, that it, it, the matchup is so un- unequal that there's no possibility of even an iota of a chance that that team could win. I'm like, oh, and that is iotas. basically the, 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 the that's the kind of conversation that Mike and Mike were having. And I was like, are we here, kidding here? And 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 so that's why I was like, I'm getting mama bearish on this because I'm like, what? Are, 
how disrespectful yeah. are you being yeah. right now? That's how I felt at that moment. How disrespectful yeah. are you? But so, and, and they yeah, and they and they tried to say that they're not trying to be disrespectful, but I found it disrespectful to treat a team as if, you know, well, there's they not even going to be an inkling of a chance. Yeah, like they don't belong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, that's we'll why see. I root for I an mean, upset. We've got three weeks. We've got three weeks for you know, for a little bit of the talking and and pundits and and all kinds of stuff, and then they'll play it. You know, they'll go to Atlanta at the Peach Bowl there on on New Year's Day, or excuse me, New Year's Eve, I believe, and play that game. So we'll see. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, to, I, a part of me felt like to get into the championship. So. Yeah, a part of me yeah. felt like they they were talking like Alabama were the Seahawks and uh, and the Huskies were like the Browns. That's how it sounded like. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And I don't. And well, I, I I I and I gotta feel like it's gotta be closer than that. That maybe I don't know what's a more comparable team uh, in my head that could be more of a fight. Maybe the game that we're gonna see today. Uh, I don't know. But maybe just, maybe the New York Giants versus the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> I like it, Joe. I like uh-huh. it. <laughs> um, you know, I got to spend quite a bit of the season. I got to go to two games. Uh, got to enjoy it with some other people. So, I mean, all along through the season, I've been talking about how this could be a historic season for the University of Washington. So it's just the state of sports in our area right now. I haven't even touched on the subject from yesterday. Um, And I I should have done what I should have gone out to the big city to watch the game last night. But I ended up watching the uh, MLS championship last night just in a local uh, restaurant here in town. And and there might have been 15 people in the bar that were – actually concerned about the the football game going on between uh, the Sounders and and Toronto. But that just got so dramatic at the end. It was was just – I mean, I don't like penalties, and I don't like penalties to decide championships. But the drama from that that particular – those particular series of penalty kicks was amazing. Stephen Fry was just amazing last night. And and the Seattle Sounders were in last place in their division, their conference, halfway through this season. And they didn't give up. That's part of, you know, it's a Seattle thing, I, I think, for teams around here to be so resilient, to not give up, even in the face of when it's hard. But they went from dead last place to champions in in half a season, and and they did it without, uh, you know, we have a problem we're going to probably discuss here coming up, but one of their stars couldn't even make it. Uh, they lost um, Obafemi Martins at the middle uh, beginning of the year. Then they lost Dempsey halfway through the season and continued with uh, rookies and people who were not supposed to be there yet and still found a way to come away champions. It was amazing. 
I will tell you, uh, obviously, you know, I'm not a big soccer watcher, even though I have been to a Sounders game once. Um, Sure. And I remember hearing really early in the season that the the Sounders were done. It was over. And I – so I thought the season was over. I didn't know how long seasons go. And uh, and so – when suddenly they were like, "Oh, they're they're going to be playing for the for the chance to win the MLS championship," I was like, "What? I thought I thought people said a long time ago that they were done." And so, a long and then time I found ago, out a little. They were almost statistically. They actually competed very close to elimination until the last three or four weeks when they finally got a little bit of room. So each and every week, going down. The last couple months, it was basically uh, elimination games, um, and they staved off elimination or, you know, you know, being out of the playoffs. So that, and then they just found a way. It wasn't pretty. They just found a way to navigate through the playoffs and come away with goals and victories, or or uh, even ties that helped to win. <laughs> and then yesterday's game, I mean, just amazing uh, play by the goalkeeper. Uh, the team didn't look great, uh, looked a little bit like they were struggling, and in the end, they just come out on top. It was, uh, it was that penalty kick was so stressful. It was awesome. I there was two memes I saw that really I thought were, were um, well, no, not one was a tweet and one was a meme. The first one, the tweet was, and you said, and you think, uh, what did they say, field goal kickers have stress or something like that or right. um, in, in regards to NFL, the NFL. And then the other one was, uh, it's just a Seattle thing. And it had a picture of Richard Sherman with his hand out going, nope. And then it had um, Fry's picture with his hand hold, held out going, nope. So, <laughs> so, so iconically similar, right? It looks yeah. so, uh, <laughs> so almost exactly the same. But, yeah, uh, two of the greatest uh, sports moments in Seattle history basically appear to be the exact same defensive play. Uh, you know, I'm not not a huge fan of Josie Altador, but even Josie Altador and Michael Bradley, they were fixtures in the national team. So Toronto had what I kind of consider the old school of American soccer, and Jordan Morris is the new new school. I wouldn't doubt now that Jordan Morris leaves town I, I actually, if I was a uh, an American soccer fan, I would want Jordan Morris to leave and go to Europe now. Uh, since he's won the cup, it's time to move on to even even harder competition and and follow uh, Yedlini, uh overseas. But you know, the Seattle team will be much different next year. But but us. It's amazing to wake up and 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 know that you, the, the if you get a chance today, see the reaction from the Seahawks watching it. That was great. Uh, I mean, Kurt's in the front row. Uh, 
Russell just kind of calmly sitting in the chair as Ramon Torres uh, stepped up to his last penalty kick. Russell's just sitting in the chair and goes, oh, he's got this. It's, this. This is over. We're champions. He's got this. And then Ramon Torres just strides up there and just knocks him in the back of the net. And, you know, the, the whole – Wait a minute. Who said that there. prior? You said who said that Russell prior Wilson? to – so wait, you guys. So you guys were watched. I mean, how did you view this while that was happening, or was it a later thing that they showed? It wasn't live. This is this is on Twitter. If you look on Twitter on the Seahawks account, it'll show you the Seahawks reaction to the Sounders win. You know, there's all kinds of of reaction videos, especially from penalty kicks. Everyone's turning on their phones. So if you get a chance, you know, all over Twitter, there's all kinds of live reaction shots from from bars downtown and, and viewing parties. I mean, because penalty, kick, penalty kicks are perfect because you know exactly when to turn your phone on and watch the ending. So there's going to be some great footage of crowd reactions from from yesterday's game. You know, the, another thing I would really do love about Seattle is just how much Seattle um, sports franchises, at least on Twitter, how much they interact with each other and are supportive of each other. I mean, one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite interactions was probably, was it with the Super Bowl, uh, during the Super Bowl run where, where they all tweeted each other about, oh, you know, yeah, can I get a ride or whatever? Yeah, yeah, right and it was, yeah. So I think it was with going from, you know, Seattle Seahawks oh, uh, to the, the Mariners, the and then Sounders wanted. The, sure. And I think this. I think even the Storm got involved in that conversation. So I'm. I'm just saying, like, th- these teams really support each other, um, and I. I think it's not a surprise that Russell wants to. Uh, help bring to back involved, the NHL active, and yeah. yeah because well, I his, think that's that, his new message isn't it the Hawks Soto yeah and well, here's the I, thing I'm all for it I you know I've told you before I grew up here in a town in a city that only had one professional sports team and that professional sports team was the Sonics then we got the Sounders but um I mean, we had the Sounders before we had the Seahawks, and then they went away. But but the Supersonics were it when I was growing up. That was all there was on the radio. That was all there was on Seattle sports TV. So you had the Supersonics or, or college football. So yeah. Watching this team or this city over the next few years, turn into a five-sport city is going to be amazing. And I think that, you know, there's probably the closest one that seemed to be alienating for a while was the Mariners. The Mariners seem to not want other franchises around. But I think having – but I feel like the flavors changed a lot, especially with this new – this new – But I don't don't think it's come from the players, though, because – the Mariners players have been embraced on the sidelines for the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks have embraced 
players have embraced uh, enjoying Mariners games in the stands or even in the suites. But there's been multiple times that you'll see uh, on Root oh, Sports that, that, that players are actually just randomly just walking around the regular stadium in support. Oh, absolutely. Of- no, I – Without without any doubt, I, I agree with now, that, that the now, players have had no issues be. whatsoever and have been very uniting. Um, it's been great to see the, the players interact. I just mean more so the establishment or the organization themselves, the ones that are higher up. In, with the money. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I think that having Russell kind of visually show them you can have – all of these teams, and it doesn't have to be a competition for people's affection, but that you can win, that everybody gets people's affection. That it doesn't have to be either or, that it can be end. It can be both and both or and all. Um, that I think that the, the, the worry was this franchise is going to take away the the attention oh, of actually, you know whatever think, but it's like if you're winning people will be behind you <laughs> but I um, think that a new building and two new teams just turns Seattle into an even more of a sports destination vacation if you will it's an event to come to a Seahawks game it's an experience for out of town fans to travel to CenturyLink Field and either see their team or to watch the Seahawks play for an experience of a lifetime. You bring an arena into the situation, and now you have multiple sports destinations for people to travel and come see, whether it be championship soccer or hopefully World Series I couldn't imagine a World Series being played and how electric and alive those streets would be, you know, let's say four games in Seattle. That would be so much fun. Uh, that that particular part of town just picks up uh, during sports events. It's just – and there's something about when an event is on just brings I, – I think that sports bridges – so many more things than you know they they cross every, uh, religions it crosses crosses races it it unites us together in in supporting our team and and having two more teams how can that be a negative I, I just think it'll bring more attention to our city um I I agree. Um, we could get though into to some of uh, the changes, and I think in Seattle that makes uh, it is it's, it's uh, Seattle is ever evolving and changing in a lot of ways. I I there's things I have concerns in regards to uh, changes um, in regards to maybe uh, housing things of that nature, sure. but oh, it just sure, yeah. I, I I feel like. I don't know if in Seattle, even even up in the north a little bit, just the, the, the climate is changing because there is such a an appeal to things that some of the 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 amount of cost it, 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 there is now to own a home yeah. it's it's almost We're being invaded by Canadians. <laughs> it's it's a difficult it's a difficult reality to go 
is how should housing really no longer be um I think housing is an essential to life. Yeah, yeah, and and now when it's becoming you almost feel like people are getting pushed out of of the neighborhood. Even even the response to the homeless situation. I feel like it's sure. not really sometimes looking for a solution to the issue of homelessness more than finding ways to move to, it. Yeah, Just move it or hide it. it. Where where I don't have to see it. I know. Yeah. I know. But so a I mean, podcast. so so that's <laughs> that's the hard the hard part. It's like there's all this excitement, there's all this stuff, where you are really excited for what the city can be and 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 just the allure it has to the rest of the country, for having all this sports stuff, and yet all this uh, issues with humanity Attention. and 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 yeah, it, it is something that gets affected. And where are these people going to be going? And how how do we deal with this issue? How do we not just hide it and and pretend it's not there? Um, sure. How do we you know? But there's there's a lot of elements to it. But am I here the potential for for all these teams to get in here? Yeah, I think I I mean sometimes I I get overwhelmed because you know me when I get into sports. It, it, I, if I enjoy a particular sports team, then I get sure. kind of immersed in it. And I, a part of me is like, I can't afford to get emotionally more invested. But I think that uh, I may just fall in love with just watching it, not needing to know the intricacies of the right. ins and outs, it, but just watching it as a so, fan. That's, you know, that's kind of baseball for me. I don't, you know, I don't have the overwhelming knowledge that some people have about baseball. For me, baseball is sometimes more of a social event. I really like going to the game and, and, and meeting people and then just enjoying the day and the, and the experience of the ballpark and the game together with people. So I don't obsess so much about the ins, outs, X's and O's of uh, baseball, but yet I still follow. I still, yeah, I may be you know, as attentive as just about every other fan, I guess. You yeah. can always just be a casual observer and enjoyer of sports. You don't have to be an obsessive, I have to know everything. True. 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 Yeah. So, what did you think of last week's game? Well, can we go back to two weeks ago? Because we didn't get a chance to speak about that, the Tampa Bay game. Okay, yeah. Uh, remember how I told you that game was not going to be as easy as people think. And I had said that if, if it wasn't Seattle, that I would choose Tampa Bay, but because they're facing Seattle, of course, I'm going to choose Seattle. It's that very, it's that very thing. I mean, Tampa Bay, uh, it was really interesting to watch Tampa Bay, that Tampa Bay game, because I hadn't seen, I understood that without Brit, uh, it was going to affect people. When people didn't think it was going to, it's. It, I I disagreed with that simply because I knew that his his the chemistry he brought into the team, uh, that his ability to communicate, that wasn't going to be as easily replaced by somebody who may be doing his job, but there's all these other small intricacies that, as a center, Brit was doing. So I knew sure. that that was going to have an effect on things. Uh, but on the on aside from that, it was just 
so crazy. Obviously, it started off with the defense looking poor, but then the defense just took it on the rest of the, the game. They, the, the Tampa Bay team couldn't do anything after that offensively. But just watching the way they manhandled the Seahawks was, I think, so unnerving for people because it's been such a long time that another team even looked slightly that dominant over the Seahawks. Um, and so for me, I hope that Tampa Bay uh, has an, an opportunity to really – because who's, who's, who's above them right now in their division? Who's they above them? Tampa Bay. They are oh, are, they, are they tied? The division, yeah, I believe they're actually, actually the division leader, but they have a much tougher road to finish out than – than, than the Falcons do. I think the Falcons have the inside track. They're both seven and five, yes. But okay, the so Falcons, to me, have a much easier finish. But go ahead. Okay. So I, but I, I really do hope that Tampa Bay gets an opportunity uh, to show what they're about uh, in 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 the postseason. So is how if they don't get the divisional win, what are their chances for the wild card position at this point? All right. Well, if you're looking at it now, you got Dallas, Detroit. Okay, if you're looking at it now, it's Dallas, Detroit, and if we're putting Atlanta in and Seattle, those would be the four division winners. You have Tampa at seven and five, Green Bay and Minnesota at six and six, New York Giants. At eight and four, uh, projecting I'm projecting a loss today by the Giants, so that would put them at eight and five. So that kind of puts Tampa right there at that second um, second wild card, uh, competing with Green Bay, Minnesota, and the Giants probably. Okay. So yeah. So to me, it was a, it was a good game in the sense of. Uh, just seeing uh, their them co- kind of coming on his uh, coming on their own, but tough as a Seahawks fan to to watch that. Uh, just seeing I, I, just seeing Russell down so often. I said, you know, it's hard to make any plays when you're on your back. Um, yeah, it's. It was a it was tough game. It was a tough game. I, I, um, I don't know if I necessarily felt like it was completely unexpected. But it was a tough game to watch. What did you think of it? Well, first of all, the the center. I believe Joey may may have been a little little overwhelmed. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, yeah, it was hard to watch. I think if you go back and play that game, if you, I think honestly, if you just plug Justin Britt in the Seahawks can get enough done to win that game. If you look back. Um, So, you know, looking back, you can find ways to win that game, but the Buccaneers played physical. They took it. um, They did exactly what you need to do to win against the Seahawks. And that's be physical on defense, not allow uh, big plays, and then find a way to score and hold on to a lead. And then, you know, they run the ball a little bit. Um, and Ooh, I can't wait. A couple yeah. 
He, Jameis extended a couple plays and, and made, you know, Mike Evans is an absolute mm. beast as a wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, people were talking about, oh, he beat, you know, Richard Sherman. Yeah, well, you know, when a quarterback holds the ball for an extra extra couple of seconds, and it's, it's kind of hard to keep plastered on a, a big wide receiver like he is. He's a very physical player. He's going to be talented and, and at the top of the league for quite some time. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely fun of, to watch that. The impression, the last impression I got was this was the start of the end for Gary Gilliam. And I can't believe mm. we're here. And I, I don't quite understand what has happened. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, I think. Uh, and it's you know, it's it's playing. It's a weird dynamic that's playing out right in front of us. But you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought we should go with Gary Gilliam and George Fant, and then I never imagined that we'd be at a situation where Gary Gilliam has fallen so much out of favor in two weeks that mm. he, he is on the verge of being cut from the team. Mm. And I can't believe that. But, that you know, it was a very ugly game. And, and, and the Buccaneers are going to have trouble maybe getting to the playoffs because they finish out with home for New Orleans, at Dallas, at New Orleans, and home for Carolina. So they really have a next – the next four – I mean, I have been impressed with the way Tampa has played the last three or four weeks. I did not notice until Phoebe noticed that the Buccaneers were coming, and that pick Thank that, you. You, uh, <laughs> that you made against that pick that you stepped out on with, and now with the way Kansas City is playing, that game is even more significant or an indicator of how well the Buccaneers are playing. They went into Kansas City and beat this team that just beat the Raiders. That's, you know, that that win keeps gaining credit as the as the season rolls on. The Buccaneers might be one or two games late, to, but they uh, they are positioning themselves to to possibly be a preseason favorite next season for their division. I think they're uh, asserting themselves as a young team, and New Orleans. They've got an aging quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. a defense is not quite, not quite uh, aggressive. Uh, Carolina has issues. Uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. <clears throat> you know, and Atlanta is you know growing as well. I think there may be a really great rivalry building over the next few seasons between Atlanta and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I I did want to move on to last week's game because I just wanted to say how, uh, gosh, how fun it was to watch both um, Tyler Lockett and Thomas Rawls. For me, sure, I loved it, uh, and it was just a reminder of just how dynamic both of them are uh, when healthy. And um, it, it, 
I don't know about you, I, but that was just a big, big highlight for me, just watching those two guys uh, just do damage. Um, I knew that they were going to dominate Carolina. I had no question about that. I just didn't expect that browbeating to that level. I knew that they were going to, I knew that they were going to win. And I may, and there was a moment where I thought maybe it could stay close, but I just, uh, but I just thought maybe there could be a blowout, but man, that, that was a blowout blowout. I mean, Boykin had to come in blowout. So. Yeah, that was uh, just what the doctor ordered. Maybe, um, you know, first of all, I, I, I know I brought this up in just talking with Bobby uh, earlier in the season. It just this just goes to show me how well the Seahawks have handled uh, being on top to mm-hmm. losing the most important game, to coming back and resetting and focusing on the task at hand. Carolina is demonstrating how difficult it is to repeat, to put that chemistry and that recipe back together. Obviously, something's wrong with the recipe in Carolina. It has not been assembled, and you can't put your finger on one thing. But mm-hmm. obviously, they are not the same team that went 15-1. and one. And that just that just exemplifies to me how amazing this four-year run of the Seattle Seahawks has been. The ability to, to reset the pieces, uh, find how they fit, and then play at a level. You know, what is it? You know, double digits one time in four years that they've lost? One time. Mhm. This is. Yeah, this even is, even in that Tampa keep, Bay game, I, I said we still didn't lose by. I mean, they still didn't lose by ten. I keep telling you to enjoy this because this doesn't happen all the time, or it never happened in Seattle before. But going into last week's game, Carolina was in the top ten rushing defenses. Now, I understand they were missing their best player. But, you know, people have injuries. I don't want to hear excuses. I'm not making excuses for my team's injuries. Um, you know, we're missing this guy, that guy, all season long. You can go from week one till now, and you can point out a key person with an injury out. So I don't want to hear it. They put up oh, I don't want to even think about the injury plus. that we would have to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, and there are teams that have more injuries than the Seahawks. But I think, of course, I think our injuries are much more significant, important. And we weather them better than anyone else because I'm an absolute homer. But Carolina (laughs) got, what, 260 yards rushing put on them last week. Now I understand that's part of the process of of a you know of of a blowout game that, that may be a little in hand, but and, and plus you had you know two huge plays. You take away the huge plays, it's not quite, but it was the best rushing performance the Seattle Seahawks have put together this year, and that's with Justin Britt coming back and George Fant 
and Bradley Soul. And moving forward, it's a lot more the identity that the Seahawks should uh, strive for day in and day out, or week in and week out. So I just want to touch, what did you think, what went through your mind when Cam Newton didn't come out as the starter in the, for that game? Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was so quick. I was like, what just happened? Um, I didn't right. even realize. I, I, it was, uh, I, I didn't know what I was, what to think, really. Um, I was confused as to why he was not out. And then they said that it was, it was because of what, not wearing a tie, which I, I don't know if I believe that was the reason. How, how I mean, you've seen how Cam wear, I mean, what Cam wears. So I have a hard time oh, following I, that. I believe it. Now, from what I've seen, I know that's the reason, but it wasn't just because he didn't wear a tie. I think it was because he was told the day before, if you don't wear a tie, I'm not going to start you. And, you know. On the first first drive. On the first series. You've seen children try their parents before. You've seen children that their parents have told you, don't do this. And they uh, investigate just how serious their parents are by uh, doing absolutely that. But, but Joe, what week is is this? What week is this? I know. How are you going to put your foot down on this week? Of all weeks. Really? I don't know. This is the week? There's a power struggle going on between quarterback and coach. I can't – I don't know the facts. I'm just speculating rampantly. But there's a problem between the head coach and the quarterback, and it's bleeding over to game day. Because all I will say is either They either get in a room and solve it, or it's going to get worse. I will say this. You can't tell me – okay – there was this rule of thumb when I was working in a, a, a youth group, and, and my youth leader said, um, he goes, Phoebe, you know, it is easier to be tough in the in the beginning and get softer than to be soft in the beginning and then get di- more difficult. You can't, like, penalize a person. You can't give people freedom all this all this long and then – you know, as a kid, Take let's say as a child, as a child, you give this child a freedom to make their own decisions, do whatever they want, don't have any limitations. And then when they become a teenager, you start to put boundaries and, and rules right. and, and curfew and things of that nature. What? That child yeah, is going to be work. like, are you serious? Yeah, you, can't, so you I, cannot put it back in the bag. Yeah, so I'm sorry if I feel it a little bit laughable. To to say, oh, well, this week they told him, yeah, you better wear a tie or you're going to not play the first first series. Well, I'm, not saying well, that, I'm not saying that. That's lame. Effective. I'm just saying <laughs> well, that's the that way. is a coaching fault. <laughs> that, that, then I'm just saying that's the way it appears to me, so. I mean, and, and I'm just saying that if that is how it appears to you and if that is what they did, that is a coaching fault on their behalf, not on Cam. I mean, 
Cam is a grown man, and he obviously has thought he's had this freedom because he's been willy-nilly looking like crazy in his outfits. I mean, no offense, some people really love that th- those kind of outfits, but I always think he looks silly. But whatever, he has the right to wear that stuff. Uh, he, I have, I just think is kind of ridiculous on a game where it is so crucial that you set the tone for the whole game that they throw somebody out there, and it did set the tone for the whole game. It was this, they were totally, I mean, having that picked off, run for a touchdown to start off that game, yeah, I think it threw off the whole whole vibe for the, the Panthers. But that's the thing about the Panthers, though. They don't really Wait a mentally. Wait say run back for a touchdown? Oh, uh, well, didn't they? How far? We only got three points. The what? We turned what? the ball. They turned the ball over, and we could not get in the end zone. We only got three. Oh points. yeah, that's right. You're right. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. We did settle for a field goal on that one, which actually kind of brings me up to our situation of sometimes I still do get frustrated that I feel like our red zone issues. I don't think it's as bad <coughs> as the Redskins' red zone issues, but we have red zone issues of our own. Uh, or I shouldn't no. say we. I'm sorry. You know the Seahawks you know have red zone issues of their own. Anything? But I what? understand the red zone issues, and that's important because this game is played and scored by points. So it's paramount. But our biggest, the, the Seahawks' biggest problem on both sides of the football is third down. Points-wise, still the best in the league. Third down, both sides of the ball, terrible. Terrible. Mm. Bottom portion I hear you. of the league on third down on offense and bottom portion of the league, third down on defense. And I hear you. You're right. could tighten that up, um, the, actually, it would reduce scoring even more. But, you know, moving forward – we have to complain about an eight three or an eight three and one team. So if we're going to have to find something negative, right now it's third down to me. Not coaches, not play callers, not offensive coordinators, not Jermaine Curse. It's the team itself on third down defensively and offensively. That's the only you know, complaint I... I could have about that uh, Carolina game and. Because Carolina made a, what, a third and 17? That's ridiculous. And um, that shouldn't I, happen. Yeah, it, it happens far too often. But I will say this, that I feel like um, I, I, heard a, I heard an interview with, with Doug Baldwin, just going back real quick to curse, Doug Baldwin, and uh, he – I, it means a lot to hear him talk about how important curse is to this team. Right. Well, nobody and, cares, but but the players, right? Yeah, and it's really interesting because he said, you know, not many people could do what curse does. He has he said he's responsible for so much in our offense sure. that 
people don't realize it because they sometimes don't think he capitalizes on his opportunities, but they don't know how much he sets things up for everybody else. And I think that there's a great love for Curse in that locker room, and I think that's why he still has his his position, even when it doesn't. It is frustrating as a fan uh, to see him squander some of his opportunities because he do, he is there. He is block. He's some some of the blocks that he puts up to ensure that somebody else gets the most out of their opportunity is is big and. And I think that Baldwin, in his interview, I, I saw that kind of brotherly protectiveness over Curse to just kind of be clear in reminding people that there's more things that Curse does uh, that he needs to be acknowledged for. And he says, you know, it's it's not easy to be, you know, to have so much of a backlash, and he and and. The, and that acknowledgement that Curse is aware of that, you know, and it's, t- it's right. tough, but you, but but that he's able to still handle it, and and not everybody could handle it to the magnitude that Curse does. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't make it any easier for me as a fan to watch it, but I I do I do have a little bit. It was a really great reminder by Baldwin that you know there is a lot of things that Curse does, and I to appreciate it. One of the biggest problems that the fan base and people on the outside and not inside the circle have about Jermaine, more than anything, is exacerbated by his body language. It, mm. it, he is such an even keel person that it does the passion to play the game doesn't exhibit itself for the casual observer to see. I I know it's there, and you saw even more of it last week. I know that you made it a point to point it out that this is the kind of the passion or or just emotion that you wanted to see from him as a player. But I think that part of what's made him successful is not to get too high and not to get too low. It's just to keep executing what's required of him. And people, you know, they detract against his drops and, and, you know, everything he does, it doesn't matter if he does anything positive, people still call him trash. People still say he's terrible. But he goes in each and every week. He, I know he hears it. I mean, so you can see it physically on Twitter, on Instagram, people bad-mouthing his performance and taking it to a personal level. Um, But I think his body language and just the way he emotionally is not demonstrative, maybe takes away from some of the things that he does. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to understand what I'm trying to, about him. No, I mean, well, isn't it the same thing? Well, I don't, I, I shouldn't say it's the same thing. Um, with Jay Cutler, but sometimes if people have a certain face, people equate that face, or that that, or even with Cam Newton, if he's under a, a towel, people presume that he's just a powder, and maybe that's the right. case. I don't know, but everybody reads body language, and and then computes it to mean something that may or may not be accurate, and right. so yes, 
so for me, when I'm watching as a I mean, fan, I and there's people that label him as not trying hard. You know what well, I mean? Well, okay, I understand because as a fan, when you're watching the game and you see people contest the ball with everything they are, and then you watch Curse and you feel like he's not contesting the ball as hard right. as he can. That is a frustrating thing to watch. Now, sure. maybe he is contesting it as much as he can, but it doesn't feel like it. And so, um, I, I'm not saying that that players should be involved in theatrics. Um, yeah, I know, but some people, they, you know, the way that they, <laughs> you know, it seems like maybe if he did a little more acting, he would get more of the pass interference calls, right? Or if he, you know, and, and it seems like he's plagued with these offensive pass interference calls going his direction, but he's doing what's required in the uh, in the playbook or the play call as a wide receiver. And we've talked about this a long, long time of how being a Seattle Seahawks wide receiver is a different is a different type of role in the first place. You're not going to be the primary focus of the offense. Um, efficiency is more important than quantity of catches in this offense. The ability to catch that ball when it's your turn and make the most of your opportunity. So I guess measured against a, an effort level, that could be that could be a big detractor for, for fans about Curse. But, you know, I could talk about Curse for an hour and a half. I'm, you know, I'm primary. I'm Jermaine's primary defender, I guess. Well, as a fan, maybe, but his his locker room seems to be his prime, uh, his prime defender yeah. right now. Well, as long as he has the support of, you know, of his teammates. We'll I think okay. that's the most important thing, to be honest. I think that if the team wasn't supportive of Curse, it could cause, uh, it could cause a lot of frustration in the locker room, you know. Uh, but right. you don't hear – if there is frustration, they're keeping it in-house because you don't hear them saying, hey, why are you giving that opportunity to curse when he's not making the most of it, when you could be giving it to me and I could be in the end zone? Nobody's saying that. Instead, they're saying, so, look yeah, what he's doing yeah. to the team. And there are instances, and there is an instance of behind the scenes, maybe we don't know for sure, but a player's effort is being questioned by the coaching staff, and possibly by his teammates. I'm, I, I, Gary Gilliam's effort is being questioned, I think. Um, and right now he's not answering the question properly. That's why Bradley Solo is playing right tackle. I, I, it just it amazes me. But let's touch, touch base on the last thing about the worst thing about last uh, week's game is is we are moving on to life without Earl. <laughs> and are we? Are we? Or was that an emotional tweet at the moment that it happened? No, I mean, we're, well, this. What I'm saying is, we're moving on without Earl this season. For this I'm year. not going to. I'm not going to sit here and speculate about his future at all during the season. He hasn't even begun the healing process. Um. And and I'm okay with whatever Earl decides. I I can live with football without Earl because Earl has brought me, the fans, 
and Seattle everything we ever wanted in football. And if he walked away, you know, he would still go into the, for me, even if he walked away early, he would go into the ring of honor. Um, It just, you know, we'll see what it looks like moving forward. I have, I've long questioned why Steven Terrell was still on the roster. I've done this multiple times before. And we will see now why he's been there uh, waiting in the wings. Obviously, for him to to remain on the roster this long, there's something in practice that uh, Pete Carroll and Chris Richard believe to be significantly uh, capable of carrying that role of free safety for the Legion of Boom. So we'll see moving forward. Yeah, it was just crushing to see that, but and and sometimes so unnecessary, right? The way that Earl flies around, he could have just, you know, one little move there changes that whole situation, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, when Pete got interviewed about it, uh, you know, he said, "Well, what did he say? Something about like, well, Cam is made of concrete, so yeah, he's made of steel, yeah." It'll be to steal, something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's still, it's, it's, it's difficult. You look at, you look at how people get injured in this game. Uh, my father had made a comment, actually, and said, why is it every time somebody tries to knock down a Seahawks, they're the one that gets injured? See, yeah. <laughs> and I laughed because there's truth to that, that every time there's an attempt to take down a Seahawk player, the, the, per, the, the defensive player end, ends up getting injured over it. Now, obviously, we get to see what, that ha- what happens when a Seahawk player it, gets in contact with another Seahawks player. I mean, there's just, they're just uh, strong, <laughs> strong creatures, I suppose. But it was difficult. Unstoppable force meets the immovable yeah. object. Exactly. Go. So, so it was di- difficult. It was difficult to watch that, and and I know that it's it's hard for King, uh, for, for for Earl to to ever take him. when the, when the man has had had perfect attendance for all that all that long, and then suddenly in 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 two two times or three three weeks or however long it was to have this situation be a reality he has to face. It's, it's something that. He, uh, I think it's difficult you for know, him and, and to deal I, with. I hope this is not the I hope this is not the case. But I equated the Earl Thomas situation to similar to uh, something like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was a heavyweight boxer that just ravaged through his competition for the first maybe ten years of his career, and then the first time he ever got knocked out. It just, it was like it was over immediately. Uh, He could never get it back. And I was afraid that the fact that Earl had never been, you know, missed a game, that maybe, you know, maybe that just, you know, like a heavyweight that had never been knocked out, he he just realized he was human. And and that, but, you know, you never know. We'll, We'll see how it develops. I don't want to think negative about uh, Earl. Just uh, I want to think happy thoughts about Earl and him getting healthy and and uh, see what we can do moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, we only have about 30 minutes to go, and we still yeah, have to talk gotta, about the gotta, Green Bay. we got to hustle. Yeah, we have only that much to talk about Green Bay, and, and probably just do a quick rundown of what do you got, and then just let it be, right. and not explain okay. too much why we chose what we chose. But sure. what is your anticipation uh, for this Green Bay game? Because obviously it's snowing. Uh, is this going to be a low-scoring game? Is it going to be uh, a one where well, I, we're just going to have to run hope, that ball, I, ram it down their I faces? I hope that the weather really doesn't uh, determine too much of the game. Um, you know, snow games can get sloppy, so that's turnovers. I think that the, the Seahawks are, have a definite advantage in, in turnover ratio than the Green Bay Packers. Seahawks seem to be running the ball better than the Green Bay Packers. They seem to be stopping the run. Oh my word! Than the Green hey, Bay Packers. Huh? Oh, do you think that's going to be a little bit of a storyline right there? What's that? With Michael being on the other side of the ball. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. That'll you know it'll bring it up. They'll bring it up. I don't think that. Uh, well. I don't think it's going to be that big of a. The, you know, this game is more about. Aaron Rodgers than it is anyone else on that uh, Packers team, I think. Um, I think it's about the matchup between the safety and Aaron Rodgers and the defensive line and their offensive line. I think it's a tale of two offensive lines that are in flux and uh, just trying to deal with games week in and week out. Their offensive line has struggled uh, almost as much as, as the Seahawks have. So, I think it's a, it could be a really good game for Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill uh, and, and, well, I remember the, the fail Mary game, they had eight sacks in the first half. So if they could get off to a game like that, uh, the sacks or the pressures on the quarterback will, will, will ease any type of burden on the, on the secondary. But I think it'll be a kind of a sloppy game with a close score. Um, I'm good with Russell Wilson with the ball in his hands uh, with four minutes left in the game to get in position to win by a, a field goal, you know, just stay close and find a way to win at the end. I think it's one, it's, it's got that feel to me that uh, it's something, it's going to be another, it's going to be another page in the, in the great stories that these two teams have provided for the NFL narrative. I mean, some of the greatest games on on TV have been between these two teams lately. So I hope we're in for another one. Great setting. Yeah. Great conditions. I I definitely – I definitely uh, have – you know, the the reason I titled this episode Unforgettable Endings is because that is exactly what we've had – uh, experience as a fan base uh, watching things with Green Bay, whether it's the quote-unquote fail Mary to the incredible uh, comeback in the NFC Championship. Uh, sure. I mean, obviously those are the two, top two that come back in my mind when I think about these these two teams coming together. Uh, but I think the last time that they did play uh, – correct me if I'm wrong – the last time they did play – the Seahawks lost on that game, did they not? That is correct. And remember that the last time they did play was the time that Aaron Rodgers 
disrespected Russell Wilson. Oh face. yes, I do remember he mocking. Disrespected, uh, <laughs> you know, people who people of faith. He disrespected, saying that God was a Packer fan this week. So you know, I, I you know, it, you know what's strange about about that. You don't see you know what was Wilson strange to... as a revenge kind of guy. But yeah. I hope that he kind of takes that as a little bit of fuel. You you know what's interesting about the 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 sarcasm and the snideness that Aaron Rodgers had in regards to that is because he is a person of faith. Uh, you know he's he he's he was at least he has in the past very much professed faith, but I think um, he manifests his faith in a different way than Russell, and I think that because of that, he 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 misunderstands Russell's how Russell speaks about his faith. I think he misunderstands that. Russell has has never made it sound like God determines the games right. that he plays. If no. any, I, I always go back to actually the NFC Championship uh, game um, when they had him mic'd up. That game versus Green Bay, actually. And Russell, you could hear Russell praying out loud, at that game, and in it, he was saying that he his prayer was that uh, whether win or lose, that his response reflects God, like that he has the right proper response, no matter win or lose. But he did not want to lose, <laughs> and he made that clear. Yeah, he didn't want to lose. Yeah. He didn't want to lose. But in that prayer, he said, "Let my whether I whether we win or lose, let like let my life be." Like, let my response be right, you know. And and I I always respected that about Russell. Say, and I know I'm I, you hate me saying this guy's name, but same thing with T- Tim Tebow. Oh. Tim Tebow, I know you hate it when I bring up his name, <laughs> but I'm just saying that both of oh, them yeah. have never said that they people misunderstood both Russell and and Tim Tebow. They've never felt that God determines the the outcome of the football game but that they just want to play in a way that's honoring to God. That's all. And 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 and, and then people make then start going well I get who like God cares more about God cares more than about a football game. Uh, but in the the theology of both Tim Tebow and uh, Russell Wilson, God cares about everything. And that it means the intricacies of their lives. And that doesn't mean that he He's going to say, oh, because I love you, I'm going to have you win this game. No, not not that at all, but that he cares about their lives uh, and that he cares about everybody's life. That's, that's, that's the theology that they go by. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does, too, to, to a lot of extent, but there's a different, there's a different dynamics with Aaron Rodgers. And, and you know me, I, I, I really do like Aaron Rodgers, but there's no denying that he's always kind of had this sarcastic kind of snide uh sometimes unbeknowingly maybe or benowingly condescending kind of attitude towards people he just has this face to him um so he's a great player but he's not necessarily uh, <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> That's I'll give you that yeah but anyway yeah 
Let's not. I guess we can't. Mm, can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't even get along with his brother, let alone you know anyone else. So there we go. Well, I mean, but, you know um, what's what's just, you know what's difficult just, about that though? Uh, just that that article that came out on him is it's already yeah. tough enough to have family issues than to have uh, outsiders then suddenly know you have family oh, issues sure. and kind of bring that up. Yeah, as, well, you know, I don't it's have difficult. To take care of my family issues in in a public forum. So yeah, nobody's even concerned and nobody's remarking about anything going on. But yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's difficult. But yeah, he gets paid a lot of money to uh, to take a little bit of criticism. He'll be okay. He'll be a he's a big boy. He can handle it. I think I think it's uh, more so a question of uh, I was less concerned about the issues at home than I am about the issues brought up in the locker room of how approachable is sure. he. Or, or how how well does he work when somebody does not step up to the plate in the fashion that he expects? And how does he treat them? And does that really help in the dynamics of a team Sure. if he doesn't know how to handle a person who does not do what he expects? Uh, or it's to oh, the I level of performance. You know, we only have you know, 20 minutes left, and I could go on about that exact same subject for – for hours, because some of those things, I, I, you know, it's not a football team, but you still deal with situations just like that in any kind of work environment. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to watch them play out in 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 a non-sports setting as well. But for this weekend's game against the Seahawks against Green Bay, I'm just going with. Going with the Phoebe method for picking a game, it's not statistically based. It's just a gut feeling. So I think it's a close game, and in the end, the Seahawks not only find a way to win by the three points, they clinch a playoff uh, berth, and they also clinch the division today, I I think. Uh, But I'm not sure because I do have Arizona winning. So it, it may be close, but it's a you know it's not going to matter. And then of course we have two games coming up this week, and we are probably not going to be able to too much about the other one coming up. But the highlighter, the highlighter game, on game Thursday, yeah, will be the Rams. Okay. We're going to beat the Rams. I'm tired of we're going to beat them, but we need to be careful about observing the way that the Rams play the game. Um, I think they need to be in the officials' ear early because last year it appeared that Greg Williams had put a bounty, if you will, on Russell Wilson. And knowing that he was hurt at the in the, in the second game of the year and going to L.A., I just worried about how to, you know, the L.A. Rams are not going to the playoffs. So, you know, this is Super Bowl part two for them again Thursday. So we ha- we have that again. This makes their year to 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 win, it, win a game that doesn't help them get to the playoffs at all. But it's, it's the highlight of a Rams season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I just say in quick – a quick statement, and then we can go into talking about our picks for this week. Sure. Uh, so 
I read that uh, Fisher's agent is the father of one of the executives of the Rams, and so I was like, so that finally explains how in the world this man got another extension. Because how in the world? <laughs> Only someone who consistently on the, has a seven nine. He is on the verge of becoming the, the and I'm probably not going to pronounce it, the losingest coach in NFL history. That's and, and and there are guys that used to coach for twenty plus years, and he is on the verge of becoming the worst coach. I don't know how he keeps finding. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's got to have somebody in. Well, I mean that, that that's that's why that that tweet angel, made sense. Yeah, that's yeah. why that tweet made sense. He his his agent is the father of one of the executives. Uh, so that executive probably feels like he doesn't want to have a strained Thanksgiving. So, uh, so uh, well, because when did he actually, or what did it happen after Thanksgiving? I'm not quite sure when he got that extension, but it's just an well, interesting thing because he, de- he absolutely does not deserve it. But <laughs> right, I guess so it's kind of like a breakup. You don't want to break up with someone unless you find someone better. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we're going to bang through these real quick. Um, I have a couple of uh, a wild card picks uh, that that will probably give you room to catch up this week. So first game. Is I don't know. Pittsburgh. I've just been Pittsburgh. ever since I've I've been number one before. I've it messed with my mind. I should not have been paying attention to that, and now I feel like it's, I'm going on a downward spiral. Pittsburgh going into Buffalo Sunday, one o'clock. So there could be snow, but I'm taking. I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna take my pick first, and then next pick you take your pick first. But I am taking Pittsburgh to go into Buffalo to win. So do I. All right. So, but yeah, it's gonna be a weird. Uh, the next game coming up is San Diego going to Carolina. Oh, is that the next game? Okay. Yeah, that uh, that is the next game. San Diego versus Carolina. Okay, sorry. I had to scroll down to see that. I, I took the Chargers. Okay, and this is this looking at looking on the ESPN uh pick 'em league for this real quick. This seems to be the one that people are having the most Waffling check. Well, maybe the earlier earlier game between Oakland and Kansas City, but it's sitting right now at forty two percent Chargers and fifty eight percent Panthers. I don't know why I'm taking the Panthers. Uh, well, because they need this, it. Well, they need it, but they're at home. I'm giving them credit for being at home. They're coming off a an embarrassing loss against the Seahawks, so. Just I just went with the Panthers. I I would not be surprised if you're exactly right, and the Chargers just absolutely because the Panthers mail it in, you know. That's that's the end of the season for them. All right, so he, the next game I have here on the list is Cincinnati going to Cleveland. Uh, you and I both picked Cleveland once this year, and once only. I'm going to keep no, that I chose twice. I was an idiot. I did you? Well, well, you. 
I am not. I am not going to choose <laughs> Cleveland to beat Cincinnati. I'm not going to choose Cleveland to get a win this year. Cincinnati's injured, beat up, but still has enough to beat Cleveland. I'm taking Cincinnati. Yeah, no, uh, I thought that not only did I think that the the Browns could win against the Jets, but I thought they could win against the Giants, and they did not. And so <laughs> on this on this game, I ch- well because I wasn't a, a fan of the Giants, I didn't think that their I felt like their their record was deceiving, and I still stand by that. Yeah, but, I still um, think they're flawed as well. Yes. So the I did obviously choose the Bengals here. I know that RG three is starting for the Browns this week, but you know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much that if really makes a, a difference. He person, hasn't. If you were a betting person, would you? Do you think that RJ three is going to finish this game? Oh my word, that's a good point. I don't that's, know. They, they, and I would the, hate the Browns to have had getting injured. So, yeah, the Browns have had uh, what? How many games have they had list. where they played three different quarterbacks in one game? So you know, too many. Too many, exactly. So, obviously, yeah. Cincinnati Bengals is what I got. All right. So, we're moving to the, this one made me pause for a moment to think at least. But Chicago is going to Detroit. And I don't know why I paused. I like what's going on with Jordan Howard in Chicago. And I like Matt Barkley's just not throwing the game away for Chicago. The defense is coming around, but it's still not enough. I pile this up. Somehow, I'm not super impressed with the Detroit Lions team, but each week they're finding a way to win ugly, pretty, whatever. They're finding a way to win at the last minute. I don't – the Seahawks need them to lose, but I don't think Chicago can do it this week. Uh, I'm taking the Lions at home. So am I. Um, So am I. All right. They do so find a I way to win. This is a game, the next game, and I'm going to make you pick first. Okay. I'm, I'm going to test your ability to not be biased. The mm-hmm. Houston Texans and their terrible offense are going into the Indianapolis Colts playing mm-hmm. in the RCA Dome against uh, – your uh, the the Colts offense that has found a way to survive with a 65 year old running back named Frank Gore. Um, I'm taking Indianapolis at home to beat the Houston. I thought Texans. you were going to have me Not, pick first. Oh, you can. Well, tell me. <laughs> You're like I'm going to make you pick pick first, and I'm choosing this team. I'm sorry. Um. So no. I, you know, I said that choosing – I said not choosing the Colts have kicked me in the butt so many times this season, or obviously six times at least, because they've won six times. So I actually did choose the Colts and just watched them lose because I finally believe in them. But I think the reason I chose the Colts was – you know, I found myself saying, you're comparing the offensive line of the Colts with – what we've experienced here in Seattle sure. as a fan base watching, not even comparable. He had all day to throw so many times. It was frustrating to watch. And to me, it was laughable to hear that they didn't have 
Oh, maybe that's See, maybe that's the that's case. The uh, problem, maybe that's the biggest problem you're having is you're listening to other people's opinion about the game and using that as they're the ones using the offensive line as an excuse. The narrators or the or the the people calling the game. Houston or the Indianapolis Colts are not using it as an excuse. Andrew Luck's not using it as an excuse. It's the people calling the game. Well, here's the thing. Last season, absolutely agree with that that sentiment. We watched how brutalized Hazelbeck was. There was just no protection. Sure. Obviously, that's that's the case because Andrew Luck did get hurt. But now, I think that they're holding to that narrative a little bit too. The expiration date has already arrived because that game showed me that that offensive line knows how to protect him now. In the same way that I feel like Seattle has consistently gotten better. I mean, if we look at the stat for how much, how many times Russell has been sacked this season versus other sure. seasons or, or things of that nature, obviously oh, there's been better. a vast improvement. So, so to, I, I'm not holding on to the same narratives. My problem is when you when people talk about the narrative being the same, and then when you watch the actual game, you go, the narrative is no longer the same. This offense line, offensive line held people back long enough that he could have had a full course, three course meal there, and and uh, still right. had more time to throw. Right. So Got I chose the Colts. Not that I wanted to, right, but so there you go. Moving, moving next. Uh, you got. Minnesota going to Jacksonville. Yes. So, all right. I'm an, I'm the idiot here. <laughs> this is crazy, but I'm. Going You're to choosing the Jaguars. I am taking the Jaguars to win this game. I don't know why. And if you look on if you look on ESPN, it's ninety five to five. Gosh, you know, I'm not going to mock that because anything can happen any given Sunday. And maybe there's just something in your gut that's telling you that the Jaguars are going to pull it out. You know, in all honesty, I would love it for them to pull it out because two, a 210 uh, ten, uh, record is kind of abysmal. Yeah. It's uh, too little especially too for Gus. Gosh. It's, it sucks yep. for Gus to have this season be such down the drain, but I'm I'm choosing the Vikings because the Vikings are still in a fighting chance, and if they lose to a team that is currently two ten right now, they know that they don't deserve to go to the postseason. Like, sure. they don't. And one of the biggest influences of this is the CLC Huffs lost Earl Thomas. The Minnesota Vikings lost Harrison Smith. Same impact. Same impact. If you measuring, it's the same impact. So, uh, you know, Bortles and his people put it together finally. Uh, the next one was also very tough for me to choose. Arizona is going to Miami. So, give me, give me a quick blush. Who do you think? Who do you got? I chose the Dolphins. I know you chose the Cardinals because you said so earlier in this in this podcast. I chose the Dolphins because. I just think they they can win this. Um, there's nothing else aside from that. <laughs> I think they can win this. I was ready to buy in on the Dolphins last week. This is another one that's very close. It's 49% for Miami and 51% for Arizona. I, I liked what I – Arizona played well last week. 
and Miami did not. That's the reason I chose the Cardinals. Okay. What's the next one? All right. So I think the next one's a slam dunk. Washington at Philadelphia, I think the the Eagles are done. I took the Redskins. You know, I actually did have the Redskins. I switched to the Eagles, and if they lose oh, today, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick myself really badly if they end up losing. The reason I switched from the Redskins to the Eagles uh, was simply because I felt like the Eagles want to fight one more time, and if they can capitalize over the Redskins red zone woes. Um, they have a fighting chance. Right now, the Redskins' biggest uh, obstacles are themselves in the red zone. If they could just yeah. get over that hump, they could dominate. Their, they can win in a dominant fashion. It's not that they're not getting to the red zone. It's that they're not finishing, and that's a problem. Right. So that's yeah. why I went with that. That's why I ended you up switching. You took the Eagles. I took the Eagles. All right. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna bang through these last few real quick. Uh, Denver at Tennessee. I don't know why, and it happens to me three times every year. I believe in the Tennessee Titans again, and it's gonna bite me again. I'm taking the Titans. Oh well, uh, well if it bites you, it's gonna bite me. I chose the Titans as well. All right, so this one nobody wants to watch, but we got to pick it anyway. The New York Jets are going to San Francisco. Who do you I got? Took the Jets. Um, I originally took the and Jets and I switched it to the 49ers. I wanted to try and maybe take the 49ers too, but uh, uh, no. Uh, Seattle Green Bay, we know. Both of us are on Seattle. Close game. Atlanta versus LA. I'm taking Atlanta. LA just doesn't have anything going for it for me right now. Their their game is they they might even you know rest their players so they can play Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah, I got Atlanta. They got the the Rams need to rest their players for the Super Bowl next Thursday. So, okay, so the one of the later games Sunday is New Orleans at Tampa Bay. And I discussed this earlier. I'm a, I, I I'm a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I'm going to take the Bucks. I may take the Bucks in every game to finish the season. I'd like to see that loss against the Bucks appear to be more relevant, maybe. Oh, it is relevant. And, yes, I chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for this one. All right. The Sunday night game, of course, once again, is the NFL Network's new darling, the ESPN's new favorite, the Dallas Cowboys are going into New York City to Seattle Seahawks, other stadium, MetLife Stadium, if you will, to play the New York Giants. The Giants have just lost uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Defense will be impacted. I just can't bet on Eli Manning in a clutch game. <laughs> I don't know why on Sunday night – I. Dallas is going to keep rolling, and they're going to keep talking about this team while the other, you know, we'll see. But I got Dallas beating the Giants. <clears throat> Me too. I'm sorry. I've not been a, 
I've not been a believer in the Giants. I haven't seen anything with the Giants to make me think that they are as strong as their record appears. That's just me. So, yeah, I'm not that confident in my picks for this week, so I'm a little worried. And we have a few that are different. But uh, the last one is might be – I don't know if this Minnesota Jacksonville is my craziest pick of the week or if this one is because I am picking the Baltimore Ravens to go into New England and beat the New England Patriots in their own house. I don't know. There's something going on in Baltimore – Defensively, they're starting to run the ball well with uh, Kenneth Dixon, and Flacco is making those big plays when he needs to again, kind of like their Super Bowl season. They're starting to gain momentum. So I'm taking the Ravens to go into Foxborough and win. It's kind of it's probably not a wise move, but that's what I'm going to do. You know, I, I'm going to go with the Patriots uh, simply because I think they gave their one freebie of loss there uh, to the Seahawks. Um, I don't think they're going to allow that to happen again um, by another team this season. So uh, that's my, my pick, and it seems like we're, we've got only 60 seconds left, so I, I just wanted to say to everybody. Plug, one quick plug, one quick okay, plug. Okay, quick plug. Next Saturday night I'm going to Tacoma Comedy. Sarah and John Ryan will be there all weekend long. So I'm going to go to both shows Saturday night. If anyone wants to come out, come say hello. I'll buy you a beer if you said you heard it on the podcast. Um, but I'm going to go to both shows Saturday at Tacoma Comedy. Sarah Colonna, John Ryan will be there. All right. And everybody else, watch the game tonight and go Hawks. <laughs>